Welcome to San Diego Sessions. We're here today with composer Joe Garrison. Listening to San Diego Sessions, San Diego's jazz podcast, featuring local artists, new releases, and more. Here are your hosts, Ian Tordella and Ed Kornhauser. Welcome to San Diego Sessions. Uh, I'm your host, pianist Ed Kornhauser. And I'm your other esteemed host, saxophonist Ian Tordella. When did you become esteemed? Just now. <laughs> There's an esteem coming out of my coffee. Oh, wow. Did you major in esteem? <laughs> All right. And we're here today with a very special guest, composer Joe Garrison. Good morning. Well, how are you guys? Doing pretty good. Great. Not bad. Great to see you. Thanks for having me. This is actually great. Yeah. Sorry for the heat. It's a little... It's a little it's a little warm today. We gotta have the air conditioners off for room tone. <laughs> All right, and uh before we get started, we have our usual top of the show segment, this versus that, aka inane banter. So uh, inane there's, banter there's, there's a petition to rename this segment inane banter, a long running petition. I started it. Uh, I like inane banter. First up. Yeah. Uh, Ed's going to have to pick one of each of these pairs. So first up, we have a percussionist of Puerto Rican ancestry, Mr. Ray Barreto, Mm. versus pianist who worked with both Miles Davis, uh, Sonny Rollins, and Charlie Parker, Ray Bryant. Ah, I'm going to definitely go with, uh, I love Ray Barreto, but I'm definitely going to go with Ray Bryant. He was a beast. This is kind of a funny story, but... I remember in Osaka, I was in Japan in Osaka drinking at this like underground, below the street uh, jazz listening bar. They would play records and stuff. And it was near a big jazz club in Osaka called the Royal Horse. And so I guess a lot of musicians who played there over the years would wander over to this bar and go have drinks. And the owner, um, Toyama-san, who's a big jazz fan, would get him to sign the wall. So there's all these signatures. And I look over and there's a... There's a signature on the wall that says, Ray Bryant, January 12th, 1987. That was the day I was born. <laughs> so the day right. I was born, I know exactly where Ray Bryant was. As I was being born, he was drinking at a bar in Japan. <laughs> that's a great story. I think that's just funny just to look over and go, that's, that, that, that's actually my birthday. <laughs> that's nice. That's beautiful, actually. Uh, um, I've got some family around kind of, the Kansai area around Kyoto, no. Oh, wow. My hey, brother did, lives there. Did you know my aunt was Japanese? Oh, I didn't know that. She, let me tell you real fast. She was um, in Nagasaki, and they bombed Hiroshima. And then she went to Hiroshima to look for her family, and they bombed Nagasaki. Oh, my God. She's one of... So, yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah. 
God, that's awful. I yeah, I, I I know there's a few people I've read about a guy who had a similar story, exact same thing. It's really hard, horrific. I went to Hiroshima when I was there, and it's it's really a hard thing to. It's to sobering, fathom. huh? Yeah, it really is. Um, and I mean, all over Japan is there's a lot of things like that. I mean, Osaka was leveled too, just by regular bombs. So you like you got family. Mm-hmm. I got a brother who lives in Kyoto and oh, a cool. second cousin who's half Japanese, and he lives in a small town kind of between there, uh, Mino, which is like kind of in the Kansai area between Kyoto and Osaka. Oh, that's great. I was just visiting them and going around to jazz stuff. But yeah, I just remember that story. I suppose if you wanted to break it down, technically it might have been the, how the international date lines work. It, might, it was more or less. It was still January 12th. It might have technically been the following day when it was January 12th for me. Or, well, it all depends on what time you were born and what time he signed it, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> all right, next up... Uh, what what is next? Um, next up, two uh, <laughs> New York residents, Mark Turner, tenor saxophonist of note, versus Mark Ferber, drummer Ooh. and much discussed on this podcast. Ah, uh, I love I love Mark Ferber. He he definitely makes like any band he's in work. But I think for my aesthetic, I'm going to go with uh with Mark Turner. I love his playing. Although the the man should never play with power tools. If uh, <laughs> you know the story, story about him, like literally slicing off two of his fingers oh. with a buzz saw on the, I think he's working on his roof, and they reattached them, and apparently he's come back. But like, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Okay, last one of the morning. Frank Foster, saxophonist and arranger with the Basie Band, versus Al Foster, drummer from the Dark Ages of Miles Davis. Hmm. I think for personal taste and like what I grew up listening to, I actually I'm gonna go with Frank Foster. I love the way he arranged. Oh, I thought you were gonna say Al Foster. Oh, uh, he he's great too. Yeah, I've got him on a bunch of records. You like that open hi hat, <laughs> angry the ang the angry groove. That's how I like to play drums angrily. <laughs> All right, that was today's heavily edited edition of This Versus That. <laughs> There's a lot of magic happening in in podcast land today. Uh, <laughs> Again, we're here with composer and band leader Joe Garrison, and we're celebrating the release of his new record, The Broken Jar. What's up, Joe? Thanks again, you guys. I have to put out a CD to see you guys. <laughs> yeah, everybody does now. It's a prerequisite. Right. That's what it's, it takes. Yeah, exactly. You can't talk to us unless you put out some new music. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're trying to encourage Be warned. Here. Yeah. So we're going to kick it off with a track from The Broken Jar. I believe this track is called The Broken Jar. And who's featured on this one? Everybody gets a pretty good solo on this. This is Lori Bell, flute. Robert Zellickman, esteemed clarinetist from UCSD on clarinet and bass clarinet. Jane Zwerneman, French horn, awesome player. Brian O'Donnell, bass trombone. Melanie Grinnell, monster player. Uh, one of the most um, surprising musicians in san diego with a vast range and uh a guy i don't really know very well i can't say that we're close enough to that i could say he's friend but i like him a lot mckenzie layton on bass that's kind of our end joke is that i don't that we we don't have friends <laughs> that we don't know each other because I, I don't know him but i make a point of saying it i like that on stage yeah he blushes so you go with Thank you. 
And we're back on San Diego Sessions with our guest, Joe Garrison. That was The Broken Jar, the title track from his new record. And among others that featured former podcast guest Lori Bell on the flute and our other recent guest, Trip Sprague, actually edited and mixed this new album. So when did you uh, record this new album? Okay, this record, I wrote it super fast. Hmm. I mean, I probably wrote it, I can't even remember writing it. It happened so fast. Really? Yeah. Huh. And uh, but I can't shake it. We've been like playing and recording it like for a year or two. It seems like, but we recorded about I'd say maybe March or something like that. And then you know what it's like editing and you know everything gets slows way down to glacial speed. Oh, I'm oh yeah, you I've know? seen that process many times. Yeah. What's the ratio would you say between composed and improvised music on on this album? Well, I'll show you. Oh. Oh my God! Look, you could, you could look. It's it's almost all. It's a, a lot. I'm written. reaching across the, we have the divide the, uh, here. Got the score here. But I um these are mostly classical players. So a lot of places, what would be wow. a solo, I wrote parts. But I'm going more and more towards more heavily. Look, the mainly you'll see the bass lines really written out. You're right. You've got some chords with the piano interspersed with very specific parts. Of course, you've got horn parts for the alto flute, bass clarinet, uh, horn, and trombone, and then piano and ooh, oh, upright bass, ooh bass. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me today. Ooh, a bass. Ooh, a bass. So it's a. Am I correct? It's a six. It's a six-piece ensemble. Yeah. Oh, okay. Wow, this is really cool to to, to look at. Next piece, I'm going to follow along. Oh yeah, cool. Follow the bouncing score. So how did you arrive at this particular instrumentation? I know you've had several iterations of your, your band, the Night People, um, and it started out as a larger ensemble. Yeah. And 
how did you pare it down to this particular group of instruments? I think I got tired. Man, those bands, <laughs> I miss you playing though. You know, it was those those were great shows with like 19 people. Yeah, for for once Ian has the conflict of interest and not me in the on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I, pl- I played in the previous large large ensemble version of Night People. Well, I was going to say but, that's one of the things that um like the uh I started playing with people who could read like you and it got oh, I could and I didn't have to like consider that. And it got to the point where these players, they did this in two rehearsals, this book. Really? Well, we had, yeah. I think we had one run through, which was a train wreck. They always are. And then we had two rehearsals and we pulled it off. Yeah, no, this sounds, it sounds amazing. Yeah. Well, those classical players can, they can read anything. The jazz players can now too, though. Right. And you've got, uh, I mean, you say it's mostly classical, the four horn players. Well, no, Lori's, of course. Well, Lori straddles that divide because she's a great classical player, but she boy, is, she, man. she's a monster jazz player, too. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, Melanie. I'm sure Melanie's played her share of classical. Oh, you. she can read anything. She's, yeah. a, she's a legit monster classical player. And a great vocalist, too. It's, it's, it's She's hyper talented. It's insane. And Mac is, yeah. of course, an amazing reader. So you've, it seems like you've got the split like 50 50 down the line between people who improvise. It's gotten less and less. Actually, there's only, I only considered that I had, well, I, out of the four, well, yeah, I mean, three of them can, I mean, I thought of as jazz players, but Brian O'Donnell, you'll hear his solo in uh, 20th Century People. He's, he has concept. Mm. And he's a really uh, lyrical bone player. You know, he doesn't do that all that triple tonguing and arpeggios. You know, he he plays ideas. Wow. <laughs> um, what made you select the specific instrumentation, and also specifically, what led you to kind of forego the use of drums or percussion? I stopped hearing drums in my head, huh. and which really changes things. That's another reason this is so. The writing is so dense. Like if you look at the stuff. I used to do it's way more open, you know, because you could just let the drums and the rhythm section groove. Right. And and that's you. I lost a lot of groove. That's why um, this piece has a lot more cubist kind of sharp turns in it because it's ha- it had to be densely written. Right. You know, so I don't rely too much on grooves either. So, but um, I wanted French horn because uh, I really like that. And then uh, clarinet, I've gotten into that big time with Ariana Warren. She That was a life-changing thing, meeting Ariana and her, the way she plays bass clarinet. And then um, John, I mean, Robert said, hey, oh, I remember now. Robert said, hey, if you still want a French horn player, I know a great player. Mm. And, oh, okay, so I got to mm-hmm. get Robert and Jane and then Lori. Of course, and then Brian, because Brian's like we're like family, and then you need a piano player, and we were lucky to get Melanie and Mackenzie. Well, yeah. yeah, and Robert Zellickman is is great on both bass clarinet and soprano. He, um, and I believe for a couple of concerts we had, didn't we have both Robert and Ariana? Yes, Warren? we did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the Book of Gratitude. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. I, I had to play the Black Stick of Death a few times too. <laughs> I remember. Yeah. That's There's the, nothing more intimidating than having to have me play clarinet with with Bob Zellickman. <laughs> I know, and it does this, the sound those guys have, man, the stick of death. Yeah, the uh, the agony pipe is is my uh, is my personal <laughs> reference there. Um, in terms of your composing process, do you like to do you write from the piano or do you write from your head or what? 
How do you? Uh... It's become hybrid now because of the the computer. The computer. That's what makes you realize how great these guys like Stravinsky were. That could hold those thoughts in their mind. You know, all that information. The computer has all that memory, so it's it stores it, so you could refer back and forth to stuff right. really fast. And like the sketches, I don't know how those guys did it. They had I've seen systems where they had like score paper, and then they had sketches, and then they had little little pieces of paper for for detailed lines. Mm-hmm. You could man a computer, you can get rid of all that, man. You can just make changes. You can get add fifteen bars, and it's no big deal. But like when you're writing, it's like oh no, I gotta <laughs> yeah, you know, it's so slick now. Yeah, I'll, yeah. Oh oh, I need to take out that, or I need to add this fifteen bar section in. Yeah, or it. what? Okay, you know what? I don't like you know, like I got the thing now. Um, I got this thing where there's uh, something like three, four bar phrases, but I wanted the uh, solos to be out of phase with the harmonic rhythm, you know. And I was trying to make it fit into like three repeats. All the instructions got too stupid, so okay, I'll just add that. You know, mm. you can easily do that, like in no time at all. The process is I write a really loose, really loose sketch. And then I, I don't have a keyboard on my computer. I just use like the mouse and hmm, but you right. can you can hear and respond to stuff so fast, you know. I don't use I don't input with the keyboard. I don't right. I, I just huh. yeah. So the computer almost becomes another instrument that can assist you in it does in creating it's like, it's like your it's like uh it's it it's like um it it <laughs> that's the thing, like you think about Beethoven writing that stuff deaf. It's well, unbelievable. I actually learned yeah. a fun and interesting thing about Beethoven that I did not know. It was after he went deaf, he could, uh, this in just terms of like when he was working stuff out, he had a very long stick. He would bite it and then stick the stick into the piano and then he could play and the vibrations would travel up the stick and it, it would ring some little bit in his head. He oh can kind of, kind of hear something. Oh. Obviously that didn't work for performing or conducting, but it worked for him like when he was like, I want to try this, see how wow, this sounds, and you dude, know he could. I, yeah, I did not know that until a couple of years ago. The vibrations could still sound in his head, in his skull, probably. Yeah, or maybe some something. Maybe it was it actually tones, but something would run through. I thought that was interesting. Oh yeah, might have got to the part of the ear that's after the eardrum or something. Right. Yeah, he, he could still pick up sun sensation that way. God, that's amazing. Um, compositionally on this on this new record because this was this is as you mentioned kind of a shift and you took out drums and you took out the sort of groovy rhythm section and you mentioned like more cubist kind of textures which I, I, I when you said that it kind of like oh lit up a little light bulb in my head uh, were there any major influences or concepts that inspired you uh, specifically on the writing of this new book no it, it, this book was really kind of a trip it they they seem to it's this is what i think uh, i think there's two joe garrisons and the the <laughs> Only other two? the uh, well that i am, that i know of <laughs> the other one writes the music and he doesn't come out so i have to front for him huh but i don't know anything <laughs> so i can't tell you about it how he, how he writes this stuff it just but it, it just happened it <laughs> it seems to me this stuff is already written and it's waiting for somebody that doesn't have anything to do, that's willing to put in the time to write it. Hmm. But it just seems to show up at the door. Hmm. Isn't that weird? It comes I, from some ether, you know. Yeah, I used to, I used to do diagrams, you know, of like the forms, you know, 
in the dramatic curve. I'd have like graphs. I, I don't do any of that. Hmm. Yeah. None of that. Probably you've done it enough times. Yeah. You know, bigger. You get a feel of like you know like do, okay yeah. we got this far. I need to bring something back because it's getting too outside. I need to get some unity. You know, so I'll bring an idea back. So what's the significance of the title of The Broken Jar? That's where the whole thing came from, man. Um, thanks for asking that. The, um, it's a, I was, I'm dealing, I'm getting old. So my mind's a lot on what's going to be like dying. Mm. So like the concept of the uh, space in a jar is really not separate from the space outside the jar. It's just an illusion that it's separate. So when the jar breaks, it becomes uni- unified. And so the um, <laughs> so like when you die, you just become one. Hmm. Or well, actually, it's really if you I'm into meditating, and and that's what it's like when the um, our minds are really just jars filled with what they call riddies, which is just like noise. Is that like a? Forgive me, I'm not the most. Um... I haven't done my spiritual studies. Is that like a Hindu thing? Yeah, well, yes, yoga, meditation, you know. Mm. You know, the, the whole thing is like when you when you meditate, um, if, you, if you get any good at it, your mind, you realize that it's just content and it's like you're not your thoughts. You're, you actually realize that these are just habitual movements of energies that you think are your, that are you. In yoga, they say yoga chitta vritti naroda. When you met, yoga takes away the modifications of the of the mind field, and that's what the broken. That's what that's where this all came from. Huh. And I have no idea how it that I that turns into this. I have no idea, but that's the answer. I think that's a great answer. It's pretty bizarre, I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to hear another track from the new album, 20th Century People, and then we're going to go back in time to your last record, The People Upstairs, and we'll hear Second Floor Man from that. Thank you. 
I'm Rob Thorson, and you're listening to San Diego Sessions. Listen online, wherever you get your podcasts. Jazz forecast. As always, here are our regular happenings. On Mondays, guitarist Louis Valenzuela hosts his jam session at Rosie O'Grady's in Normal Heights from 9 p.m. to midnight. No cover, 21 and up. Every Tuesday, the Havana Jam is at Prohibition from 8 p.m. to midnight in downtown. On Wednesday night, trumpeter Gilbert Castellanos hosts his long-standing jam session at Panama 66. Music from 8.30 to 11.30 p.m. Come down early to hear the Young Lions from 6 to 8 p.m. with up-and-coming musicians from around San Diego. Every Friday, flutist Holly Hoffman presents Jazz Happy Hour at the Handlery Hotel in Hotel Circle from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. No cover and free parking. Friday, August 24th, you can hear bassist Rob Thorson and his trio featuring Hugo Suarez on piano and Richard Sellers on drums. The next Friday, saxophonist Paul Combs performs with his trio. Also on Fridays, Gilbert Castellanos presents Jazz at the Westgate, an intimate series in the Plaza Bar at the beautiful Westgate Hotel. Music is from 8 to 11. Now here are some highlights for the coming weeks. On Friday, August 24th, the Danny Green Trio performs and acts as the house band for a jam session at California Center for the Arts in Escondido from 7 to 10 p.m. Saxophonist Dick McWain plays at Dizzy's at 8 p.m. with Derek Cannon on trumpet, Christopher Holliday also on alto sax, Jason Chatiel on piano, Rob Thorson on bass, and Bob Weller on the drums. Cover is $20 or $15 for students. Saturday, August 25th. Ian Tordella, that's me, and your other host, pianist Ed Kornhauser, play in the lobby at the U.S. Grant Hotel from 5.15 to 7.45 p.m. And on Tuesday, August 28th, you can hear saxophonist Gabriel Sunday with his trio at 7 grand at 10 p.m. Thursday, August the 30th. Trumpeter Gilbert Castellanos and his group perform for the Sunset Poolside Jazz Series on the Westgate Hotel downtown. Music from 6.30 to 9.30 p.m. Friday, August 31st. Saxophonist Christopher Holliday releases his new album, Telepathy, at Dizzy's at 8 o'clock p.m. with Gilbert Castellanos on trumpet, Joshua White on the piano, 
Rob Thorson on bass, and Tyler Crutell on drums. Tickets are 25 at the door or 20 in advance. Check the Dizzy's website. Saturday, September 1st, Jake Nager and the Moment of Truth play some funky jams at Panama 66 from 6 to 8 p.m. Sunday, September 2nd, you can hear the Whitney Shea Quartet at the Bernardo Winery in Rancho Bernardo from 2 to 5 p.m. No cover and all ages. Dancers are welcome. Drummer Matt Smith plays at Panama 66 with pianist Tamir Kadim and bassist Rob Thorson from 6 to 8 p.m. Singer Santino Scambluri and pianist Ed Kornhauser play at the Turf Supper Club from 8 to 11 p.m. You're listening to San Diego Sessions. back on San Diego Sessions coming to you almost live from Dirty Boulevard Recording Company right outside of downtown San Diego. Uh, We're here with special guest Joe Garrison and we heard Second Floor Man from The People Upstairs and we also heard 20th Century People from his latest release The Broken Jar. And for all our listeners be sure to follow us on Instagram at San Diego Sessions Podcast. And of course, uh, check us out on iTunes. If you like us, uh, go have a listen and maybe subscribe. And hey, if you really like us, well, why don't you why don't you leave us a nice review, maybe some stars. And if you don't like us, then we're, we're chill. We're cool. You don't have to do anything. It's Just fine. Just stay away from the iTunes. Stay away from the iTunes. Just stay but, away. It's, it's cool. You don't have to go to the iTunes. It's fine. But if you have some destructive criticism, questions, comments, or if you'd like to be a guest on the show, drop us an email sdsessionspodcast at gmail.com. I would also like to note that you just said the phrase destructive criticism. <laughs> I, I always say that. <laughs> and of course, you can find us on Facebook. Um, but without any further hullabaloo, we're going to have our much-anticipated segment. This is called The San Diego 7 yes, with it. your host, Edward Theodore Kornhauser II. Yeah. Yes, this is the San Diego hullabaloo. Uh, these are seven questions we'd like you to answer from the top of your head oh. and the bottom of your heart. They are largely uh, inane or related to your life in some tangential sort of way. Just so they're inane. Okay, perfect. They're 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 they. This is a gotcha journalism. I'll I would tell you prefer that. idiotic. Okay, well that's me. You got me. <laughs> me so too. perfect. Uh, number one, you came to the right place. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Number Glad one. to be here. <laughs> Number one, what was the first thing you thought of when you woke up this morning? I gotta, um, I have to do, you really want to know, I have to do relaxation practice and meditate. Oh, that sounds, no, that's a, that's a great thing, yeah. Yeah, and it was like, do I have time? 
Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you have time to relax. <laughs> right, exactly. I got to hurry up and relax so I can go deal with my car problems. God. It's one of the best lines. It's a throwaway joke. You, you, you know Woody Allen's movie Annie Hall. Yeah. There's a, when he and later in the movie when he he's pursuing Danny and Keaton out to California and he goes to some California party in Hollywood. Exactly. I think at Paul Sun. He sneezes on the. Right, right, yeah, and he yeah. sneezes on the yeah. <laughs> right. But uh, uh, there's a scene where he goes upstairs or something, and uh, and he like he's, he's at Paul Simon's house, really, his rock and roll house party thing, and he like walks off the screen, and the camera pans over, and in the foreground is an uncredited Jeff Goldblum, and he's on he's on the telephone talking to somebody, and you just hear him say, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I forgot my mantra." That's such that's the greatest line. It just sums up like whole, California yeah. to me yeah. so ma- so so, so well. Anyway, sorry. It's a throwaway line. He's uncredited in the role. It's so funny. Anyway, it's my favorite line of that movie. That's pretty devastating. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, number two. Uh, how old were you when you composed your first piece, and what was it? Oh, oh, I'm embarrassed to tell you. It was called the dance of the the dance of the. The House of the Happy Ghost, and it was I I was I had to play. Um, my mother made me play piano. I was probably I don't know. Uh, I can remember it still to this day. It was pretty terrible, but yeah, I was real young. <laughs> hmm. yeah. the, house, the House of the Happy Ghost, something like that. Oh. Yeah, was, yeah. That, that's an interesting. Time. I dig it. Yeah, I don't know. Good thing there weren't cell phones back then. <laughs> yes, exactly. I know. I, I thank God there was no Facebook or Twitter when I was young. Oh my God! Parents are going to have so much dirt on their kids yeah. these days. Yeah. Oh please. Uh, number three. Uh, when did you get your first tattoo, and what was it? Oh, <laughs> it was a while ago. About I don't know. I forgot I had. Yeah, about five or six years, something like that. Really? Oh, they're fairly recent. Then. Yeah, they're yeah. pretty recent. Yeah. Wow. Very cool. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I've I've I've, I've seen that you've got quite a few on your um, left arm. Yeah, this um, this is a bunch of Sanskrit stuff. Wow, beautiful. No, that's cool. I would have I I would have thought you would have gotten them a long time ago, yeah. but no, right? Yeah, man, my um, my uncle was a, a a real heavyweight chief in the navy, and he had tattoos. Hmm. Yeah, he he married. He was the one that married my Japanese aunt. Oh, okay, right on. Yeah. So he didn't do any of those tattoos when you were in Folsom. <laughs> no, I, I I I know a friend, and he goes, I I look at these great tattoos you have, and, and I'm going, and he goes, well, I never finished him. I go, how come? He goes, well, I got out. <laughs> but um, sure. But uh, that was for real. It was oh, true. Oh, sorry, I thought that was just. Oh, wow. No, he yeah, he got out. The prison tats. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, number four. Where and what, in your most humble opinion, is the best piano in San Diego? Oh. Because you were also in a, an esteemed oh. piano tuner in tech, so. Well, the best my in my opinion, the best Steinway B is at Richard James Studio. I do love that piano wow. so much. It yeah. is really nice, very playable. Yeah, it's a bit weird. He because he takes the uh, the lid off. Yeah, he takes the fallboard out. But there's that doesn't stop. It's just a pure like visual thing when I look well, at maybe it. Maybe that's weird one of the, the reasons it sounds so good. Uh, Glenn yeah, Gould, you know, I think, it's... used to take his fallboard out so he could hear it. Oh, from the, that sound inside coming out, yeah. And he would play with his head off down. down. Yeah, he yeah. he sat low too. Yeah, in that I chair ha- his father made. In the chair, yeah. I have a client who whose job once was to take his chair out on stage, and it, it fell apart, and he was mortified, and he ran back in there, and he goes, "Oh, it happens all the time." 
Oh, he, he had his own chair. Yeah, that his, guy, fa- yeah. his father made the chair, didn't he? And <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, and I guess it needed to be repaired a lot. <laughs> yeah, it Yeah, I'm glad he was cool about it. the The best Steinway D that I'm aware of, there are some out there that I might not know about, but there's one at UCSD that's uh, the number three. And both of them are great because Mark Adams worked on them oh, a lot. Yeah, Mark, I Mark, know the name, yeah. and I've seen his stuff. I've never met the guy, but I'm, I've played on pianos he's worked on. Oh, yeah. yeah he's very good. No, he's, he's, he's like um, world class. Mm. He's world class. Uh, number five. This is uh, this versus that, kind of like the beginning with, uh, with Ian and I. This versus that. The American Triple Crown versus... A Belgian triple ale. Oh, I don't like Belgian beer. Actually, I'm kind of the way that way too, to yeah. be honest. But it yeah. was a joke I wanted to throw in. <laughs> I don't really but like. That's Bel- not funny, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really like Belgians. They're a little, they're, they're a little too weedy sometimes. They're, yeah, and they're me. creepy tasting. Yeah, a bit odd. What do you, what do you normally like? For IPA, beer? IPA. Yeah, me too. Yeah, that's what Ian likes too, right? I was going to bring uh, you guys a bomber, but I didn't have time. Ah, uh, I have car <laughs> troubles today. I kind of got off the IPA. Really? The hops, I think I'm getting becoming allergic to them or something. <laughs> like, it keeps me up at night if I drink the hoppy beers. I can't go to sleep. Let so. me think. Are you a lager kind of guy? Or are you a dark beer like porter? I, I don't, I'm into anything, you know, anything non-IPA. I still, I'll still drink IPAs. I love them. But I'll drink, I'll drink Belgians, drink uh, stouts. I'll drink some lagers. Yeah. Well, you, we should start a beer podcast. Yeah. Yes. Well, my go-to beer is Swami's IPA. Mm, that's a nice one. Yeah. And it's it's just old school and the best price for the you know like their full pints. You know they're in there. It's great. Yeah, I I, I like that one too. Pizza um, port. Yeah. Pizza port. Yeah. We no, want some money for this. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. We'd like to give a shout out to our sponsor, Pizza Port. San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> Number six. This versus that. I hope it's stuff I know something about. I think you'll know at least one of these. The ID channel versus the id. <laughs> As in the uh, the rock band that I believe <laughs> you played guitar for a long time ago. How'd you find that? I, the name of the game on San Diego Sessions is a little bit of research. So I was... Wow. I did a little bit of research. That... The, that record was recorded in El Cajon. Oh, wow. And we, um, and I got to tell you the story, and we shot the uh, cover art in the graveyard at, at Grant School no in way. Mission Hills. And the- Oh, it, wait, Pioneer- Pioneer Park. Park, when, yeah, when yeah, it was yeah. a graveyard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's still, there's still graves there, yeah. No, I mean, it was a graveyard. Oh, the whole thing was a graveyard. Yeah. All, you know, the line of eucalyptus trees? Yeah, 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 Everything south of that was graves. Oh, there's still, in Pioneer Park, there's still a few stones yeah, left. Yeah, they took them all and pushed them off to the side. No, dude, it was a graveyard. The whole thing was a graveyard. Oh, great. I played in that park. That's weird. No, there, there, I, there are graves- in that part. It's like, oh, great. It's like a poltergeist situation. Totally. Yeah. And, and uh, the thing about that record was great was um, uh, the drummer's father ran in. He was a, a heavyweight art guy up at KTLA, and he ran into these two kind of grifter guys that um, one of them had forged his own um, college degree. <laughs> so they were those kind of guys, <laughs> and uh, they didn't know anything about music. I mean, we had to show up. Like, these guys want to make a record, and so they had these two songs, 
and they just they got us to record it. <laughs> so, so, they, so we recorded it for them. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, and uh, they they got lawyers and everything, and but they um they the, those were the days of the love-ins. Ah, and um in the days of the love-ins, like the Hell's Angels would show up, and I mean it was on. It was full-time love-in. Hmm. And um, one time I went to the Love-In in Presidio Park, and uh, they were down there with all our records with a sign that said, why was this record banned in Boston? And they were handing them out free. Whoa. <laughs> the 60s wow, were an man. amazing time. I'm trying time. to yeah. live it down still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was great. Did you ever see the cover art? No, I was trying to Google that, Google that yesterday. I had some stuff came up. Unfortunately, there's another band completely unrelated called actually i think there were several bands called the id uh but i i, I wasn't able to find anything any images specifically from your Dude, group. we were like we were like 15 or 16 and we were all in front of this grave dressed up like ghouls oh Not man ghouls, we were like had like uh you know in in uh vests and stuff i'm gonna look at that i'm gonna try to find i'm gonna see if i can find it because i did try yesterday but maybe i did google the right uh put I in think the right meta one tags. Extant copy somebody found the um made digital a digital thing, so they, I don't know. Huh. <laughs> it's All right. Number nine. Yeah, that was a trip yeah. down. Number eight. Room. Number seven. Eight or nine. And this is just free association. Answer this or react to this or respond to this, however you like. Punk rock? Punk rock. Just that. Uh, I remember the descendants hearing them, and I'm going, oh my God. I mean, it just blew me out of the water. I'm going, this is like the energy of John Coltrane. I loved him. Hmm. It, it's very energy and emotional driven music. Yeah. If, if sometimes not the most like, they're not the most, well, sometimes you really got to give it up to them. Like they're, they're, Who cares? they're, they're just killing it. They're, yeah. they're, they're slamming really hard. You know, the guy, um, one of the guys in the, um, the locust, mm -hmm. the, the local group, he did, he did this work. Oh really? Dave okay. Warshaw. They're a local, they're local. Well, are they based on, they're based on San Diego, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. Now they, he's in the creepy creeps. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where they dress in full on like yeah. suits with masks or like a, yeah. uh, like a, like a mainstay punk band. They're San my Diego. favorite um, band in San Diego. Yeah. Oh wow. Very cool. The Locusts, yeah, check them out. No, no, the Creepy Creeps. Oh, the Creepy Creeps. Oh, also, uh, also a great band. They all they do like they wear masks as well. Yeah, they do too. Yeah, yeah. I've seen. I have not seen the Locusts. I've seen the Creepy Creeps. Yeah, the red. they're my favorite band. <laughs> all right, that was the San Diego Seven with Ed Kornhauser. Uh, so, Joe, you have a couple gigs coming up. Something coming up at Encinitas Library, which also has a pretty decent piano there. Great room. Yeah, they do. I yeah. do like that piano a lot. It's a pretty good piano. If it's take when it's taken care of, mm -hmm. so you're going to be there tuning it and working on it. I always all day, have to I fight bet. with them about. Can I touch <laughs> it up? Oh, really? Yeah, really. Wow. Yeah. So that's going to be September 29th at Encinitas Library. CD release North. Yeah, and then way out. Clear your schedule for May 5th. May 15. Oh, 15. Excuse me. Sorry. Uh, May 15th at uh, UCSD. UCSD, this big series, Wednesday at 7. That's where the all the heavyweights play. We finally got on the big show. Right on. With Kamal. Kamal's going to bring his band, and then we're going to do my new book, Prayers and Mantras. Oh, terrific. With a, a opera singer, April Fisher. Oh, she's rad. Yeah, she's terrific. Oh, you know April? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. And then um, Live Electronics with Chris Warren. Also rad. Yeah. And then, um, so like... Um, yeah, we're legit. Come wow. out and hear us. We're legit. Yeah. Right on. Chris Warren was just featured in a big City Beat article about his uh, work with uh, Reverb, I guess, uh, Convolution Reverb. 
He's a, yeah. he's probably a genius. I just maybe we should do a go uh, GoFundMe to see if we can uh, get some bail for him because I know he's going to be arrested. Some bail. <laughs> yeah, he's been trespassing on different places, trying to capture reverb uh, convolution algorithms or whatever <laughs> oh you call them. Yeah, <laughs> really. Yeah. Wow, what a, a rebel! Genius. Rebel, dig yeah. it. All right. Well, I think we're gonna we're gonna take it out with one more tune, and this is uh, one more track from the new album, "The Broken Jar" from Night People with Joe Garrison, and this is called "It's Only Music." Thanks a lot, Joe. Oh wow, it was so much fun. Thank you for having me. Yeah, Joe, thanks for coming well, on. Make, if I make another CD, can I come back and see you? Absolutely. We'll consider cool. it. We'll put it in, into consideration. I'll bring we'll, beer next time. Uh, we'll send okay, it. you're on. We'll ask the board. <laughs> Thank you. I knew, I knew that would work. <laughs> Thank you.
been listening to the San Diego Sessions podcast brought to you by Dirty Boulevard Recording Company. Please subscribe now on iTunes or listen online at DirtyBoulevardRecording.com. Theme music composed by Ed Kornhauser, performed by Ed with Grant Fisher guitar, Harley Magzino bass, Ian Tordella saxophone, and Charles Weller on drums. If you'd like to be a guest on San Diego Sessions, please contact us. All musical selections are used by permission of the artists. San Diego Sessions is engineered and produced by Ian Tordella at Dirty Boulevard Recording Company.